Hey, grab your Bible tonight, open to Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, and we'll get, uh, we'll get back into our passage here. We got some Bibles in the back too, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand, we'll make sure you get a copy of God's Word. When you get that Bible, open to Philippians 3, some guys up front here. Yes, yes, yes. All right, well, no matter if you're a Christian or not, it's, it's frustrating when, when you sin. Sin has consequences. Sometimes those consequences of sin are, are right away. They're immediate. When we sin, it messes up our relationships with our parents or our family, or our friends. Sin has really tough consequences. You get caught, you get in trouble, life gets complicated, right? Sin is is frustrating, and that's especially true for a Christian. Sin has similar consequences in a believer's life as well. It hurts our relationships, for sure has a way of, of, of messing things up. It causes you to feel guilt and shame. One of the worst side effects, though, especially for a young Christian, a, a new Christian, often sin causes that believer to doubt their salvation. New believers often have to face this question, what's the deal with sin? What's going on here? Does that sin mean that I'm not saved? Did I, did I do something wrong? Do I need to believe in the gospel again? A Christian is someone who's repented of sin. I hope in your time in junior high, you've learned that. A Christian is, is someone who puts their faith and their trust in the gospel and what Christ did on the cross, that he died on the cross to pay for that sin. Christians know that and they believe that. They trust that their sin has been paid for and satisfied by what Christ did. And they believe that Christ rose from the dead. And that matters because Jesus' resurrection proves that his promise of eternal life is a trustworthy promise. He's beaten death. And as a Christian, uh, someone who's putting our trust in that gospel, we can have hope that that will be true for us as well. That's what it is to believe the gospel. And the Bible tells us that that belief is is, is not from us, but it's actually from God. Salvation is God's work. David wrote that in Psalm 3. Jesus said that in John chapter 3. Paul says it in Ephesians chapter 2. There's this divine transformation that takes place. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, one of my favorite verses that anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. So, naturally, a, a new believer, it, it makes sense that they would ask, what about sin? Does sin in my life mean that I'm not a new creation, that I'm not really saved from 
time to time, you know that you're not responding the way that you should. You're not thinking the way you should all the time. You're not acting the way that you know that you're, you're supposed to. What does that mean? If you're wondering that tonight, Paul has addressed that same concern. He, he knew even as a Christian that he wasn't perfect, that he wasn't sinless. But he didn't have to fear because he was confident in what Christ ha- had done. That's the same way that you need to think. If you're a Christian, I, I can be confident knowing that my salvation is secure. God saved you from sin. He, he set you free from it. And his desire is that you would grow to be more like him. Sin shouldn't cause you to doubt your salvation. Rather, it should cause you to think about your growth as a Christian. For a Christian, let me say it this way, sin is a growth problem. It's not a salvation problem. We were right in the middle of Philippians chapter 3 before my knee decided to take a four-week break. And as we come back to this letter of Philippians tonight, I want you to know that our big idea is this. Christians live their lives desiring to grow in their faith. Christians live their life desiring to grow in their faith. Let me say it this way. Christians don't doubt their salvation. A real Christian doesn't doubt that reality that they are a new creation. They don't doubt that spiritual life. Rather, they, they look for genuine opportunities to grow, to mature. Christian knows they need to grow and they want to grow in their faith. Tonight, I just I want to look at Three super helpful principles that are vital for the Christian life, vital for for spiritual growth. Let's read our passage together first, though, and then we'll look at these principles tonight. Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 12. Paul writes this, Not that I have already obtained this, or it, or that I'm already perfect, But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if In anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Four weeks is a long time, so let me just give you a little bit of a reminder of what's happening here in chapter 3. Last time, we looked at the source of Paul's joy. What Paul really found joy, and it wasn't in who he was, it wasn't in things that he had done or accomplished, but his joy was totally connected to his relationship with Christ. That was where his joy was. And verses 8 to 11, Paul said that he wanted to know Christ more than anything. 
verses 8 to 11 of chapter 3. He, he says he wants to know the power of Christ's resurrection. And these are some kind of weird statements for us as we read them. He says he wants to share in the fellowship of Jesus' sufferings. He, he wants to become like Christ in his, dead, in his death that he might attain the resurrection from the dead. Again, what's, what's Paul saying? What is all this? Sounds kind of weird to our ears, but Paul is just making it clear. He's saying it in his way that he wants to be like Christ more than anything else. That's what all that means. He just wants to be like Jesus. He's looking forward to a, a time when he's just made completely like Christ. He wants to be like Jesus as, as much as he possibly can. And, and that's going to happen at the resurrection. That's that moment for Paul or for anyone when they meet Jesus face to face, finally get to be who we're meant to be, especially in the area of sin. He'll no longer have to deal with sin. But in the meantime, he's pursuing living like Christ wants him to live. He's pursuing holiness. He, again, he just, he just wants to be like Jesus as much as he can. If we could just sum up a lot of what, what Paul's been saying here in chapter 3, I, I just say it this way. Paul is so confident that he is saved. He knows that he's this new creation. He knows that he's saved by grace. It has nothing to do with anything that he's done. He's talked a lot about that in the beginning of chapter 3. It's not anything who he is. He's saved by the righteousness of Christ, by what Jesus did on the cross for him. And because of that, he is really serious about pursuing holiness, about living the way that, that Jesus wants him to live. He wants to be more holy, and he can't wait to be done with sin. And with that in mind, Paul sort of offers this really revealing statement. He says he's not there yet. He isn't perfect yet. He isn't sinless yet. And within our text tonight, these three principles for what to do until we are sinless. It's all about spiritual growth. Let me give you the first principle. Principle number one, it's that we're to think right about sin. Confident in who I am in Christ, but as a Christian, no matter how long you've been saved, number one, you have to think right about sin. Verse 12, Paul says, I haven't obtained this yet. I'm not perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. Now, what is the it or Paul says, I've not obtained it. I don't think I've laid hold of it yet. Or this, your, your Bible may say this. Well, it's what he was talking about in verses 10 and 11. It's this becoming like Jesus in perfect sinlessness, holiness. Paul's making it clear that he's not there yet. I'm not sinless yet. Not perfect. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm not deceiving myself when it comes to sin. I'm thinking right about sin. I, I know I need to work on it and fight against it. I know that I need to grow. There's, there's something still here. I need to be more like Jesus because I'm not like him yet. Verse 15, some of your translations may say, those of us who are perfect, or maybe it says mature, that's Paul's way of saying, you need to think right about this. 
And Paul's he's really got a great sense of humor. He's saying, for those of you who think that you're sinless, you need to wake up because you're not. There's no way you're, you're there yet because we're not going to be perfect until that day that God stands us before his throne in glory. Until then, we're, we're just on our way. So Paul's encouraging the Philippians, and God, through his word, is encouraging us. We have to think right about sin. John hits this same point in 1 John chapter 1. He says, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth it's not in us. That should be obvious. I mean, how crazy would somebody have to be to actually think that they're sinless? What would that even be like? Somebody who always, and that's, that's the key word, they always, every single time, respond the right way. Even if you wake them up at 5 a.m., like we all respond horribly. Maybe that's just me. I respond horribly at 5 a.m., they always respond the right way every time. They never lose their temper. They never have a bad thought ever. Somebody who never lies. They don't even embellish the truth, even just a slight bit, never. That's what it would, that's what it would take. Someone who's never selfish. Someone who never thinks the wrong thing. Someone who never says the wrong thing ever. Never does the wrong thing ever. Never, ever. <laughs> There's no chance. That's not who we are yet. We long for that day. That day is going to be awesome. But until then, principle number one, you have to think right about sin. You need to know that you're, you're going to sin. You're going to do something that God says you're not supposed to do or you're not going to do something that God says you should do. Thinking right about sin, though, it also means that you should be sinning less. Let me say it that way should be sinning less. Just a few sentences after John says, don't be deceived, uh, don't deceive yourself about your sin. And first John, he says, by this we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments it's a, is a liar and the truth's not in him. Whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God's truly been perfected. John says, don't lie to yourself. You're going to sin, but on the other hand, don't think for a second that sin doesn't matter. Don't think that you shouldn't be fighting against sin, that you shouldn't be putting sin to death as much as you possibly can. Don't think that you shouldn't be living in obedience to Christ and to his word. No, we, we have to be striving for that. True salvation will always display itself in a growing love for obedience to Christ. Love of his word. As God grows you and, and changes you, you're, you continue to just realize just how sinful you, you actually are. For, this, for the Christian, say it again, sin isn't a salvation problem. It's a growth problem. Don't let sin deceive you into believing that you aren't saved. Instead, when you sin, repent of it and draw closer to God and, and pray for his help to, to kill that sin in your life and ask God to help you grow. Ask God to give you a desire for his word that you can arm yourself with scripture to resist that temptation to sin when it comes. We got to think right about sin. Number two, we got to Pursue holiness or, or chase after holiness. 
Paul's sin, it didn't cause him to doubt his salvation. Rather, it, it drove him to pursue holiness, to, to live the way that God wanted him to live. Look at verse 12. You see that word press on, and it's again in verse 14, I press on. That's a word that means to, to move quickly, uh, to move decisively. It's, it's choosing. It's, I'm quick to do this. I'm wanting to do this. And Paul's, he's trying to encourage these believers to this sort of second truth here. Because we still sin and we're tempted to sin, all the more we have to chase after holiness. Paul says he's pressing on to be more like Jesus in verse 12. He forgets what's behind him. He forgets his accomplishments. He's even able to move past those sins that he's ashamed of. And he's now looking ahead. He's looking forward to what's coming. He's reaching forward and focused on what lies ahead. He's striving and chasing, verse 14 says, after this upward call of God. What's that? Paul's focused and fixed on changing, on growing spiritually. That's what that means. He's just desiring to be changed. He's, he's actively pursuing godliness. Verse 16, it says, let us keep living by the same standard to which we've attained. What's that? Paul's hope is that these believers would just continue in their pursuit to be changed. That, that moment of change that began at salvation, there's much more work to be done, and God wants the same for us. He's the initiator of our salvation. That's true, but there's more. God is also the source of your growth and godliness, growth spiritually. God wants you to know, though, too, that you play a part. You and I are to pursue it. We're to chase after holiness. And I know we talk about words uh, sometimes in junior high, but this is one of those words that it's really important. It's a word that, that it isn't just like a, like a mediocre effort. This is a word that's like serious desire and passion and energy and effort. It's constant and continual. It's a gritty desire. It's blood and sweat and tears. It's an attitude that says, I'm going to get up early and I'm going to stay up late. It's a heart that says, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get this. I want it so bad. That's what Paul says when he says, press on. I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to put in the work. I'm going to do more than I'm supposed to. I just I want this so bad. There's no place in the Christian life for like a meh kind of pursuit. There's no lukewarm pursuit. No kind of want it. I don't know, maybe not. Like, that's, that's just not going to work. Christians are to always be wanting to be more like Christ. Again, it's just to do whatever it takes to have this deeper knowledge of Christ kind of attitude. And it leads us to be active and growing in holiness. We do something to pursue this. 
Again, as a new believer, don't doubt your salvation when you sin. Instead, let it drive you to fight that sin and pursue godliness instead. Junior hires from time to time have some excuses. You've got to stop making excuses. You're not too busy. You're not too young to do this. God's not asking you to give up too much. He wants you to stop chasing those things that only lead to death. And instead, he wants you to draw near to him, which leads to life. Our pursuit of holiness is meant to be active and pretty extreme. We're to go after it with more intensity than anything else. And I want to say something. I think it's important. Understand that it doesn't mean it's the only thing you're pursuing. You can play sports. You can work hard in school. You can have hobbies. You can enjoy God's good creation. But listen, God has always wanted to be number one in your life. That doesn't change when you get saved. He still wants to be number one. And he's going to want your pursuit of him and your relationship with him to still be number one. That doesn't mean that you can't have other pursuits. Verse 14, pressing on towards the goal, like Paul, we must never be happy or content with where we're at today as a Christian. Never be satisfied. Never think that we know enough or that we just don't need to keep growing. One of my most saddest experiences as a youth pastor happened to me in one of my first years as a, as a pastor in Illinois. I was meeting with a young man weeks and weeks and weeks. We're just talking about the word. I'm trying to encourage him to read his Bible, to get in the word. And finally, he just said, you know what? I've read it. I know it. I just don't need to read it again. <laughs> and it's not funny. My heart actually broke for him. And he thought he knew everything he needed to know about the word. Paul's helping us understand here that that's never a place a Christian will get to. You'll never be in a spot where you're not wanting to know more or grow in, in your faith. You, you always want to know Jesus better and know his word more, living our life just displaying his work in our lives more. You can think of the fruit of the spirit. I, I just want to display that more and honor him more and be more useful to him today or this week than I was last week. I just I want to keep growing. I want more. And that doesn't matter if you're in junior high or college. It doesn't matter if you're in your 20s or 80s. Even on the last day of your life, you should be thinking, how could I be more like Jesus today? How could I grow a little bit more? That's what Paul's saying. That's the attitude we need to just keep growing. Sin is a signal that there's a growth problem. We must keep growing. That brings us to just one last principle. Christians think right about sin. They chase after holiness, and they're motivated by their Savior. They're motivated by Christ. Embracing the truth about our sinfulness all the time as you grow, it can be draining. 
chasing after holiness, trying to live more like Christ every day, it can grow tiresome. So what is it that motivates Paul to keep at it? It's no surprise, at least it shouldn't be, that he's He's motivated by Christ. Paul says in verse 12 that he presses on for a reason. Look at it. He says, I'm chasing after holiness. I'm motivated by the reality that Christ has made me his own. Your Bible may say laid hold of his life. Paul's just saying, look, as a believer, I know I belong to Jesus. I know that I am his. That's not going to change. Paul says that he wants to grow to be more like Christ, not so that Jesus will accept him, no, but because he already has, and that motivates Paul like none other. Can't wait to just grow and be more like Christ. And and honestly, that should motivate us as well. We should want to grow because of what, you know, what we already have by faith in, in Christ. We're his. We belong to him. You're you're a new creation. Live like it. Act like it. He's done this amazing work in my life. Again, you guys, if this weren't the case, this would be the perfect place for Paul to say, hey, Philippians, look, you're saved. You did it. Can we just calm down on the whole, like, obedience thing a little bit? Can we just back off on this, like, crazy living right thing? He would say it right here, <laughs> but he, he, he doesn't. He says, because I'm accepted by Christ, I'm his, I'm won by him. He's laid hold of my life. It's my desire to chase after this holiness and speak truth to myself about my sinfulness. It's my need for growth in godliness because of what Jesus has done. And then listen to what he says in verse 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of this upward call of God. Listen to these last three words, in Christ Jesus. Paul's giving us such a huge clue there. Cannot do this on our own. How does he do this? It's because of Christ. Christ is at work in his life. Be insane to try to do this by yourself. He needs help, and he knows his source of help. He knows it's Christ. If you're a believer, God is calling you to recognize that you have a lifetime of growth in front of you, and he wants you to know that he'll be right beside you, helping you every single day, every step. It's from him. It's his work. It's what he's doing. Thinking of even just the the last year, you could think of your last few months of life, like how God is just continuing to show sin in your life and expose sins that maybe you didn't even know were there. And he's going to continue to do that because he wants you to grow. He wants you to be more like like him. You, You shouldn't think to yourself, when that sin happens and when God shows you that, oh man, maybe I'm not saved. Rather, you should think, oh, I need to grow. I need to grow. Sin wants you to doubt your salvation, yet God is exposing that sin in your life so that you grow. 
And your response should be every time, I want to. Lord, thank you for showing me that. I'm ashamed of that sin. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. But you know what? I know that you're going to be right here with me, helping me to grow. Grow in my thoughts and in my words and in my actions and in my life. I know you'll help me. Said it a few times tonight that sin isn't a salvation problem. Just want to make sure that you hear me right. That's only true for the Christian. It's only true for somebody who's genuinely embraced the gospel. If you haven't put your faith and your trust in Christ, if you don't believe that he died for your sin, then sin is a huge problem for you. It's a salvation problem big time. But for the Christian, don't be confused. When you sin, it's awful. It's something you need to repent of and pray and ask God to forgive you. But learn from God's word here. As a Christian, think right about sin. Don't let your sin cause you to, to doubt who you are in Christ. Let it lead you to grow and be motivated by the reality that you belong to Christ and he's working in your life to help you grow. You're going to sin, but if you're truly in Christ, you're going to grow. And these verses are a huge help. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for teaching us and showing us the truth about our salvation, about our sin. Father, help us to have assurance if we truly belong to you. And if we don't, help us to seek you. God, those who aren't saved, bring them to salvation. For those who truly are saved, Father, help them to see that that sin in their life is just a sign that they need to grow. Father, would you by your spirit help us to do that? Expose sin and give our hearts just a desire to change. Father, help us to, to, to want to obey your word. Oh, make us more like you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.